2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you're an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in. Take my hand. Say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious, we'll be friends. Welcome in, everyone, to Visibilities on Friday, February 25th. It's been a very busy week, and I'm hoping that you've all done well and are looking forward to our visit tonight. It's hard to believe that it's been about 22 months now that we've been doing visibilities here on ACB Community and on ACB Media One for most of that time. And my very first guest on visibilities back in May of 2020 was Jeff Tom, who was the president of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. And some things stay the same through the years. And fortunately, that has. Jeff is uh, still the president of AAVL and is with us again tonight. And so I want to welcome Jeff, and I also want to welcome Doug Powell, who is the chair of their advocacy committee, among his multitude of other hats. And so, Jeff, good evening. Hey, Gary. I'm so glad we were able to pull. I'm sorry we had to, we're pulling you away from some family obligations. So I'm going to ask you to go first in case you need to get off ahead of us but uh, i'll be good um but thank you uh I, i'm gonna you know throw most of this to my vice president and advocacy chair doug over here but um i just want to say a few words on avl i i when i began as president i sort of stated my view that you know this affiliate ought to be one of the leading affiliates in the organization um, that we ought to not only have numbers like some of the bigger special interest affiliates, but that we ought to um, be a leader in terms of advocacy for older adults with vision loss. And I think that 
Um, today, four year, three and a half years from the time that I took over as president, and you know, just a few months more, and then I will no longer be the president of the organization. Um, we have, I think, um, taken great strides in both areas. Um, in in terms of the membership side of things, um, yeah, the phone would always ring. Uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, when you're on the, in terms of the membership side of things, we have grown from approximately 25 members to approximately 125 members. So, I think that we have made those kind of strides, but. As I also said in an article I wrote near the outset, getting members just in and of itself is really not the important part of, you know, of the, of the matter. That it's what you do with your members that counts. We have also, and this is where a lot of what tonight is all about will come into play, we have also become what I think of as a leader in advocacy for older adults with vision loss. We have two active affiliates now, California and Oregon, um, that have been created since um, 2018 occurred. And we have a couple of other states who are either thinking of having affiliates or are using their committees in a similar way because you can do a lot of the same things with a, a committee that you can with uh, an affiliate. Um, and most importantly, I think, for AAVL itself, we have become what I think is a major advocacy force um, in a number of ways. First, we are part along with ACB but we are our own part of the Vision Serve Alliance and um, as, as such we are involved in what is called the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition which is an initiative whose goals are to one of the, one of the major goals anyway is to broaden awareness of the needs of older adults with vision loss um, and to improve the availability nationally of services and funding for those services of course for older adults with vision loss. Um, we're making great strides and I just want to talk about a few of the things that have occurred in that arena. Um, some as part of Vision Serve and some on our own in partnership with ACB. We have, for example, uh, through the Vision Loss Alliance, begun to amass um, data sets. Um, and, and this is not directly an AAVL project, but it's something that we can use. We already have data in the first 10 states. Um, one of which I'm happy to say is my own because I've been using that data with our legislature already. Um, and we're going to, during the course of the year, have data on older adults with vision loss for every state. That is the goal. 
so that um, you at the state level, when you go to advocate for money, whether it's under the Older Americans Act or as part of your Medicaid program, and believe me, Medicaid is where the money is, um, then you will have data that gives your legislators some a bird's eye view of the older adult with vision loss population in your state. We are so, f one of my continuing mantras to um, our organization and to a, my, the advocacy community that I am a part of in California and just about everywhere when I talk is how far behind the blindness community is in terms of making the rest of society aware of not only the incredible amount of unmet need for services but also how services like you know daily living skills and technology training and orientation and mobility can really and mental health services i dare not exclude that can turn around the lives of people with vision loss most people even the even the advocacy community the aging community in in, in our states they have no idea what we need and what is there but which only covers maybe three percent of the need for the services so we have to educate them first before we can be expected to you know get the kind of money that we ultimately are going to have to have in order to pay for the services we need so data is an important element of education and public awareness um, we have tried to um, engage, as I said earlier, and going back a step, we, one of the major areas and perhaps the most major area of funding for services for older Americans is Medicaid through a variety of channels. Uh, mainly home and community-based services. Only a few states um, take advantage of that money with respect to funding blindness services like the ones I just described. And um, we have taken it upon ourselves um, in uh, pursuant to a resolution that um, was adopted in 2021 by the board directors um, for ACB, we've taken it upon ourselves um, in conjunction with um, national staff. Um, I want to thank Clark Rossfall for all his efforts to begin to educate Medicaid public officials and on the need to include our services out there in the states. And we're going to continue those efforts so that um, when a state begins to advocate for money for older adults with vision loss services um, and especially vision rehabilitation services um, there will be some semblance of an understanding by your Medicaid officials about the need for these services and but ultimately a lot the, the vast majority of the advocacy is going to have to come at the state level and eventually we're going to be um, rolling out some 
um, advocacy tips and tricks for Medicaid advocacy because it is a it's a complex program. It's not very well understood um, by our community, and we need to give you the tools that you need to successfully advocate uh, in the states. And then, and I'm gonna, I think I've talked longer than I really intended to, but um, then um, as part of what the um, advocacy committee under Doug's leadership has taken on, we put together, and it's still an ongoing um, survey that people can use, we put together a survey of the main entities that fund a lot of um, broad-based programs for seniors, and that's, those are the Area Agencies on Aging. And every, every single person in this country has an Area Agency on Aging um, in their jurisdiction somewhere. It could be their county, could be their city, it could be a whole group of counties. But you all have one, and so we've had we've gotten some um, people to. It's, it's sometimes it's hard to hunt down um, who the leader of that agency is to get them to fill out a survey, and the and the pandemic has made it even more difficult. But we've already gotten, um, uh, I think, ten or maybe a little more back, and the results are. Um, shall we say not surprising and with that i'm going to turn it over to doug to sort of give you an idea and then maybe if there's time i'll come back and tell you one more area of uh in which i think we need to do more as a avl so doug go ahead and take it away great tom jeff <laughs> thank you very much i always do that um as you can tell from Jeff's presentation, his, his, he's really been passionate about uh, advocating for more uh, services and money for services for the uh, older blind community. And I think that's why we've gone from 25 to 125 members. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, we are a special interest affiliate of ACB, and and that means we're, we go beyond geography. We're 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 specifically for older uh, people. Well, I mean, we're we're specifically focused on issues for older blind people, but uh, anybody can join at any age. So once you get through the new gen, <laughs> when you start uh, deciding that you probably shouldn't be calling yourself uh, next generation. Um, you can move to us. <laughs> so we have a continuing, we've got ACB students, we've got uh, Next Generation, and, we, and then we've got uh, Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. So we've, we've uh, got you covered from cradle to grave. Um, so the, the Advocacy Committee, uh, uh, Jeff put together a couple years ago, and um, one of the first things that uh, um, came to us, um, Larry Johnson is also a, a, a huge advocate, and um, he um, he keeps our our feet to the fire in terms of making sure that we're doing stuff and and, and moving forward. Uh, and uh, so you know, giving him ammunition so he can go back to his local community and and advocate some more. Um, so he's, he's been a, a great member and, uh, Anicio Correa is also on the, on the advocacy committee. Um, K 
Karen Campbell, um, Alice Richard, um, somebody I'm missing. Pretty impressive, Karen. I believe just. Oh yeah, Peggy Garrett. Yep, Peggy Garrett is a is a, a new member, and uh, Texas Deborah, is trying to dominate us. There's no question about it. <laughs> Deborah with Deborah, some success. <laughs> yeah, Deborah, I've forgotten her last name uh, from California. Is Joyce from Hawaii? Joyce, oh, from Hawaii. That's right. Yeah. Yep, Deborah Joyce. That's right. So, uh, and uh, so, so we we've got a good group of people, sort of uh, trying to spearhead. Uh, what it is we ought to be doing and how it is we ought to be doing it and, and uh, putting their uh, putting their uh, their efforts to the grindstone to to make sure that that we have product to to put out and 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 for people to use and the thrust of it has mainly been we started with uh, Larry brought to us this AAA project um, you know he said. You know what's what's a I know there's triple A's and we don't know very much about them and we probably ought to know more because they have money to provide services and we probably aren't getting since we don't know who they are we're probably not getting the services so we we that's how we um, started with the AAA project where we developed a questionnaire that members can uh, contact their local community um, area agency on aging and set up an, uh, an interview, uh, go in with this questionnaire, which asks questions like, what services do you provide? Uh, how do you make them accessible to blind people and low vision people? And, um, uh, you know, what do you have? Do you have specific services? And do you have people who are blind on, on uh, advisory councils or staff members? Uh, or, you know, and how do you do outreach? You know, all those kinds of questions. And we've gotten back feedback that uh, pretty much says that uh, they don't. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we're, we're in the process of gathering the, uh, the first um, group of those questionnaires. Um, we, have, we have several more out that we're trying to, we're trying to get in um, in the next couple of weeks. So that we can turn it over to um, Neva Fairchild, who uh, does this kind of thing um, for a living. Um, I believe she was with AFB, and and now she's, uh, or is she with AFB now? I've forgotten, Jeff. If you, I'm sorry. My phone <laughs> rang again. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Neva, who's she working for now? Uh, she works um, for. I believe she still works for the American Foundation for the Blind. Okay. Either that or the San Antonio Lighthouse. I'm not sure which, but okay. she's in San Antonio, so there you go. Uh, she'd probably kill me if she knew I couldn't remember. <laughs> but she she has been to our conventions before. She's a great great lady, and uh, so yeah. So she's she's going to be working on trying to get the information together, pull the information together uh, from those questionnaires, so that we can. Uh, then present it to um, to the powers that be in, in the AAA organization, both uh, federally and uh, and and send information out to the state level, so that everybody, all all of our members and and uh, our geographic um, affiliate uh, members can also um, advocate for uh, better service is for uh, AAA. 
what if you know what AAA? If you don't know what AAA is, one of the thing, one of the programs that they fund is Meals on Wheels, and they do do transportation kinds of things for uh, medical appointments and stuff. A lot of times, the money for those those come through the AAAs, um, and there are so obviously there are a lot of other um, programs that they that they fund. Um, and, but we ought to have in another month or two um, a report for for your interest um, to to uh, you know to, to disseminate the information that we've gathered. But more importantly, what we're really trying to do is uh, we're trying to develop uh, a um, a cadre of people of our members. You know, this is the first contact. And I'm, and we're tr- although we're asking tough questions, which we think we, the answers are a kind of embarrassing to AAAs, we're trying to ask it in a way that is, uh, you know, making room for growth and expansion and um, and better service delivery. So uh, uh, the other aspect of this AAA project is really trying to get the members who are uh, who are uh, contacting those AAAs. Get them on the advisory councils for them, and a um, couple people. I, I know Larry is on, is on his advisory council in his area, and um, Kenneth um, Semyon is also a, a longtime member of of the uh, AAA advisory group in his area. So there are people who are have been hooked into this system, but they're few and far between. So we really want to. Um, Get an ongoing uh, input and relationship with uh, the AAAs around the country, so that we can, um, uh, you know, expand the services that are available for blind and, and low vision people. Doug, can I ask you a question? Please. I'm curious on this survey. Um, yes, there are people like Kenneth and uh, Larry that are on them. What I'm wondering, though. Is on this survey? Did you get? Any, did you include anything of asking them if they've had any requests or input from the blind and low vision communities that they serve? Have they had any, like, any initial? Um, no, I don't conversation think we asked that. I don't think we asked that specific question, but uh, hopefully, you know, with the conversation, we've designed it so we, you know, we were hopefully having people uh, go in and interview their um, the, their area agency on aging director or so, you know, or or designated staff person to to create a conversation, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. and and I you know I think that's something probably that would you know come up in that conversation, you know, around. You know some of the questions because uh, you know we do ask you know are there specific um, services that you provide that are you know that that are geared toward the uh, low vision community you know so that would be a natural place for somebody to say well yeah uh, we've had some requests in the past and you know da 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 so um, hopefully that that will develop. Um, I, don't, I don't know, Terry, if you want to open it up for questions mm-hmm. on that one before we move on. The other, the other, uh, real quick, we haven't done it yet, but uh, a sort of a similar situation that we hope to do in the future is senior centers. Um, people, you know, obviously there are senior centers all over the country as well, uh, and obviously they've been closed for the last two years. 
um, or are just opening or, you know, have some have restrictions on them. Um, but we hope when, uh, when we get this uh, COVID under our belts a little bit and, uh, you know, services are opening up again, like, uh, like senior centers, we hope to do the same kind of things with, with them because a lot of the activities that senior centers do uh, are not necessarily designed uh, for inclusion uh, of our community members. And uh, so we wanted to, um, you know, heighten their awareness of, you know, what our needs are and, and therefore how they can support us in uh, being included in the senior center community, which is obviously of vital importance to a lot of um, older people in the, in the, in the communities. So before we open it up, let me just mention two more quick things. Um, we haven't done as many community calls as we would like to, but we are going to be doing more. We recently did some on fall prevention, which were an enormous success that Larry Johnson ran. Um, we intend to do some on identity theft. Uh, one of our members has an incredible story to tell and is very passionate on that subject. We do have our weekly peer support call for people that are struggling with vision loss, and that's at 4 p.m. on Tuesdays, and that's part of the, you know, community call um, every week. So you can get, you can see that if you get this community call schedule, and I and I urge people to listen to it if you know, even if you only go on an occasion, as I am able to do some occasionally. It's it's very interesting, and you know. All sorts of issues come up. Um, the other thing is that um, we we are going to be developing, um, as part of the Vision Loss Coalition, a message bill for uh, the, for the Congress. And the primary draftsman is our own former first vice president and ACB, Mark Reichert. And as part of the leadership conference, we're going to, Mark and I are going to be presenting on what that bill is going to look like and the various components. So stay tuned for that. And I urge people to listen to that particular breakout session if you have a chance to do so. So with that, I think I'll stop and I will, um, you know, turn it back to Terry. All right. Well, I thank you. And I think it's all... First of all, let me congratulate you on a five a fivefold increase in membership. I think it's fabulous, um, and all of the work that the advocacy committee has been doing and the community calls. I know those. You're right. Those ones that Larry did were very very successful. Uh, we do have a couple of questions, and the first one is from Mr. Robert Acosta. I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> he's going to crow now. He, he's the big shot here. Go and ahead, he is. He's getting into all of these things now. This I'll be brief. Oh. This is Robert Acosta. I'm very proud to be a member of AAVL and the California affiliate. Jeff and Doug are fantastic, as, as is all of our board and our leaders. I want to tell you, Doug, I believe question six of the survey touched on on 
tracking. Uh, it, the question was something like, how many of your, uh, you, do you know how many uh, disabilities or what's, how many blind people are st staff members, volunteers, you know, that, that uh, do things? And they wrote back, we don't track disabilities. This is our <laughs> L.A. County um, um, AAA. We don't track. We don't know who we serve. It, it was our questions. Many times they would put, just see the brochure. Well, yeah. Jeff and I persist, and we have our first meeting yesterday. I won't review it, but we're going to have many more. They thought just taking us once to an underling was going to be enough, but they don't know what Jeff Tom's all about. And I'm <laughs> proud to follow him. Thank or you Bob Acosta. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Yeah. Well, it was That's a great meeting, and we put their feet to the fire. Didn't we, we sure Bob? did. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. It <laughs> certainly sounds that way. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Okay. Okay, Jane from Cape Cod. Hello, Terry. Hey, Jane. Hey, Jane. Are you? I finally joined two weeks ago. I know, and I wrote hey. you a note too. Um, I want to highly tell everybody to highly, I highly love my Tuesday call. That was the first community call I was ever on, and I have formed so many friendships. And actually, I have connected with people who have my syndrome, Barty Beetle syndrome. My question to you is. When do you have your board meetings and how do we get in touch with you or how do we get on the board meetings to listen to see what's going on? That's a great question. And you now, as a member, will get, I send, um, and I hope whoever is president after me will continue, I send the notice out to a list that contains every member's name on it. And it's now like 125. Um, and we, and it gets a little chaotic and sometimes it causes the meetings to run a little longer than I'd like, but we allow public input on every, um, topic that we bring up because we feel that as a growing organization, we need buy-in from our members and we want our agenda driven by our members. And I think people have been, I don't know how Doug feels, but I think, and Terry, who's, who's always on just about, um, as a non-board member, I, I think that inclusion of our membership and not just sort of limiting it to our board has been a highly successful um, means of enabling people to really feel a part of the organization. Yeah, I totally And when agree. do you meet? Oh, I'm sorry. We meet the first, typically, and it will be next Sunday, we meet the first Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay, great, because I look forward to getting more involved. Thank you'll, you very you'll much. you get the notice. Great, Jane, thanks. And well, welcome aboard, Jane and uh, Deanna. Hi, Jeff. Deanna. Um, you know, I've been fighting this golden girl thing for a little bit now for probably the last three years. Um, and I'm really pissed off that my warranty's worn off and they don't make the parts. <laughs> um, so I have decided I'm going to join you next week as soon as I can get a hold of, of Minneapolis or whomever so I can pay some dues. So you don't even have to do that. You can okay. get onto our website, which okay. I don't know why I forgot to mention. Okay. It is aavl-blind-seniors, plural, dot org, org. 
And we have a PayPal thing. You can either join by PayPal or you can call our treasure. Her number is up there. And, okay. Joel, and Kathy Gerhardt and join, you know, over the phone, whatever. But, um, you know, we can do it by PayPal. And, and Deanna, being very technologically able, will probably do just that. Only by the skin of my teeth, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I learn as much as I need to get certain tasks done. Let's put it that way. Um, otherwise, I'm as lost as anybody else. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I've been a lifelong advocate. And I may be a quiet advocate, but I'm a persistent one. So, oh yes, you are. I'd like to help, and uh, and I don't think you've been all that quiet. <laughs> no, <laughs> my my brother says that my um, Ojibwa name of Shanigamukwe, which translates as quiet water, was a mistake on the part of my great grandmother. He says I'm actually babbling brook. Raging waters. <laughs> Whitecaps. <laughs> no, I am passionate about our seniors and our children. Are my two big things that um, can get me riled up and motivated to extend beyond my shyness, which people don't recognize. But I know that uh, I usually can get through a speech or get through a, a task. Then I go somewhere and drink orange juice and, and shake for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um it's it's my secret, but I I do believe that water is an important um, part of my identity because water does not acknowledge barriers. It seeps through them, it goes under them, it flows over them, it goes around them, but it gets where it's going eventually. That's so that's an excellent excellent point. Thanks, Diana. A <laughs> next caller is. Listed as um, call-in call user one. If you can... Hi, I, aloha. That would I, be me, Deb from Hawaii. Ah, aloha. Oh, I made it. I was in another meeting on Fraud Watch for local Hawaii. So, sorry. And they're still going, but I said, that's it. I can't listen anymore. I'm coming to AABL. <laughs> <laughs> I ditched wow. them. So, if they start calling my name and I don't answer, tough luck. But <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad to be a member of AAVL. I'm proud. Um, as I'm you know, my, oh, thank you so much. As you know, my thing is uh, identity theft and fraud prevention, not only for seniors, but also for the disabled and just basically anybody. And I promote education and uh, giving people the tools that they need to help protect themselves. Um, my book, Identity Theft of Victims, Search for Justice, is on the internet under Deborah E. Joyce. There's a lot of information. And you you guys were talking to me about maybe working with me to get identity theft and uh, fraud a, a felony in all 50 states. Is that right? Well, that's one of many you know topics that we're dealing right. with and we and we want to definitely have community call uh or two on the topic and i just have to, it's, it's definitely yeah. on my to-do list to get done but i think it's a topic that will generate a lot of interest 
Yeah, Deborah, yeah. We, your ears must have been burning because we mentioned you as part of the um, part of the advocacy committee, and we also ah. said there were going to be a couple of uh, community calls on on the uh, identity theft uh, issue. So that, that was probably before you came on. Oh wow, I'm I'm your girl. All right, good. Do you have my information? Oh, well, yeah. I definitely do. Yeah, and we so do. Does Doug. He's your committee chair too. So, mahalo. That means thank you in Hawaiian. So, sure. if you could contact me, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you sure. for your interest in such an important issue for so many people. For all of us, really, not just so many. It's oh, for yeah. everyone Absolutely. these days. But I thank yeah. you very much. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. Ja- me. Go ahead. Bye. Bye now. Uh, Jeff or Doug, um, I'm going to toss it back to you, too, sure, to sure. see what you so want to go the, to next. Yeah, sure. Uh, one of the exciting things that we're doing that um, has been uh, fairly recent is... Um, as as you could hear from Jeff uh, at the beginning of the call, he is uh, has worked with Medicaid uh, in the past, and is he knows that there's a lot of money in there, especially because there's um, there's extra money uh, for the uh, Recovery Act um, that was passed through Congress. So uh, there's money floating around to be used in Medicaid for um, home and community-based services for us. But um, as you may have uh, noticed, if you've tried to get services through, um, through Medicaid, um, they, they're not uh, necessarily set up to um, be, uh, a, uh, what do I want to say, uh, be sensitive to our issues. So for example, they'll, they'll, you know, for qualifying for, for services, They'll ask you things like, you know, can you toilet yourself? Can you dress yourself? Can you get yourself out of bed? You know, all those kinds of questions, which, uh, you know, for most of us, that yes, the answer is yes. However, in terms of staying independent and staying out of institutions, we need other kinds of skills like uh, O&M skills, you know, orientation and mobility. So getting around our houses, getting around the community, um, getting, you know, uh, using our, our phones, um, you know, getting me- emails and, you know, and using computers or phones or whatever. And that th- these are fundamentals of social literacy these days and um, not necessarily, uh, uh, and also, you know, um, Braille or, you know, whatever, however you decide to, there, there are skills of learning how to use equipment, you know, with, non-visually than, um, than visually. I, I know you know that. And we, uh, you know, they're not attuned to, um, to those kinds of activities. So um, w- um, four of us, uh, Mark Reichert, uh, Jeff, Clark, and I met with some people in, um, at the federal level in, uh, in the Medicaid program um, a couple of weeks ago. And started to talk about some of these uh, some of these issues, and they said that there's nothing in the federal law that prevents uh, people from acknowledging those kinds of activities as activities that they can cover with their services and funding. So it's up to us now to get to the state levels. A lot of the a lot of the funding and uh, categorization 
of their services happens at the state level. So we're going to be starting, well, we're starting with um, uh, the, the, the people we met with a couple of weeks ago gave us uh, the names of two organizations um, of state um, high muckety bucks. And so we're, we're uh, going to, uh, I think Jeff is drafting a letter for Clark to, to uh, send out to, to those organizations to start a conversation at the state level and see how we can uh, work with them to most effectively advocate, and then we can come back to the uh, through you know come back through through our members, our members, and and uh, ACB members to start to make inroads in that direction, so that we can help fund. You know, as you may or may not know, um, the older uh, independent blind program through the rehab services. Um, has some money, but it ha- you know it, it, um, I believe the number the number of people that it could um, effectively uh, uh, serve at uh, a couple of years ago was about three percent of those who are eligible. So um, we're looking obviously for more money and it doesn't look like rehab services with their vocational uh, focus is going to um, be very uh, excited about uh, working for more money in, in our area. So uh, Jeff astutely has, you know, tried to, you know, point us to some other areas such as Medicaid, where we can um, get more money for services. And um, so we're, we're, we're trying to work out some, some, you know, some approaches to let them know that, you know, obviously we need money. We also need people who who are able to provide those services. I, I've heard I, I'm the rehab chair also uh, ACB's rehabilitation issues uh, task force, or I have been the chair and I'm now co-chair. Um, and we, I've I can't tell you how many times I've heard. Well, I approached you know I I approached the uh, rehab services agency in my state, and um, the people who were doing the the actual teaching were uh, were terrible. Um, so we, we need, or, um, you know, we, uh, they told me I was eligible, but I can't get services for six months, you know? So, so we have a problem of, uh, not enough people. And we also have an, uh, a problem of not well enough trained people. So that's going to be part of, uh, you know, the, the, um, the focus that we bring when we bring, start bringing this to, to the attention of this at the state level. Yeah, if you, if you if you want an advocacy issue at the state level, one of the one an issue that you could take on would be to start in one of the in one of your major universities or two of your major universities um, programs in vision rehabilitation services teaching, whether it's daily living skills or technology or orientation and mobility, um, you know, folks to get master's degrees and certifications um in these fields because uh, and believe me that they have programs like this in nursing they have programs like this in all sorts of other fields but we have not we've been sort of on the short list of advocating for things like this for our services and we need programs um you know throughout the country um to get more people in the in these fields, 
Because the pay and used to be you, lousy. The, the pay used to be lousy, but apparently it's uh, in a, in many cases it's not so. It's you know it's not as bad as it used to be. So no, uh, we not. we can't we can't we can't blame it on you know um, uh, low salaries uh, for people not to go into that uh, area. And when we advocate for more money for the services, there'll there'll be more training to be provided. We need the people to give it. So. Yep. It all, you know, intertwines. I'm just curious. Um, do we? Do you think that states, those of us in states, I actually I'm not one of us anymore, but have been in the past, in states that have separate agencies for the blind. Um, do you think something like? Uh, NCSAB, I've, are they still in existence? I assume they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they something are. like that, because where they handle so much of their own budgetary, uh, disc- have more discretion on their budgets, and they have their their own rehab teachers who are, uh, you know, like rehab teachers, for instance, or O and M instructors who are more geared to the blindness community than those in the cross-disability field. Um, might that be a way for some of us to be, uh, to, to get into the, into the advocacy for all of this? Because uh, yeah, I mean, in, in some states, it, it is the, in many states, it is the public rehabilitation agency that has these providers. And in other states... Some of the bigger ones, for example, like California and Florida and others, it's there are private agencies that do it. But whether they're private ones or public ones, the the lack of provide the lack of people to provide the services and the lack of funding to provide the services are both problems. Whether no matter how what your model is for ultimately providing the services, so. Um, yeah, you certainly in a, in a state with a commission for the blind, you could work with your commission to advocate, you know, for more, you know, uh, education programs in these fields. Right. For more education programs, but also I think uh, I, I was thinking more along the lines of for getting more money in uh, more Medicaid money um, it, through, it through, the, through those. I'm thinking of, the... of I'm thinking of places like Massachusetts, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the states some of the that more have still have ones that, that do advocate in some states. They don't go out on a limb and advocate very much. But in some states like a Massachusetts, for example, where they are pretty proactive uh, i think it's important to educate them because historically i think they know about medicaid but historically in most states other than a few like wisconsin and nebraska and a few others historically we've sort of left the field alone and given it to people with you know significant mobility and mental health and, and alzheimer's and other types of impairments and, and we've stayed out of it um right. other than like home home care uh you know uh homemaker chores sort of workers are funded through medicaid money um there's a lot of things that are funded and we haven't taken advantage of that to seek funding for our service delivery system in most states and uh, yeah i mean 
the, the whole issue of uh, independent living uh, is another area where um, hopefully, you know, we've, we've been trying to figure out how to create partnerships with those folks where there are, where there aren't already. And there, there are a few, but not very many already have partnerships, but um, you know, that would be a perfect place to do community-based services for, you know, for blind people. If, if they, uh, if they had the right, you know, practitioners and that kind of thing. But I think one area where there is some hope for progress is the fact that the Aging and Vision Loss (laughs) National (laughs) Coalition, which, you know, ACB and AVL are prominent members, and which is a combination of advocates and providers, Mm -hmm. is really making a sincere, concerted, and and really a a passion-driven effort to change the the paradigm in terms of educating um our society about the need for and the services for adults with vision loss and and that i i can't underscore how important that is we need to work together the providers have to step forward the advocacy community has to work with them and we have to find solutions because we are so far behind the rest of the aging and disability community in terms of getting funding for our services. The last leg, the last leg of uh, where we're, we're falling short in the, in those terms uh, is also the outreach, you know, by, <clears throat> excuse me, for Medicaid, by Medicaid, excuse me, to our community members. So, you know, if somebody has a, has a, uh, an amputation for some reason, um, they get scooted right in, you know, after the medical procedures have been done, they get scooted right into, uh, physical therapy and, and, uh, um, occupational therapy, um, so that they learn to use prosthetics or, you know, whatever, however they, however they need to, get trained to move on back into, you know, normal society and back to work and all that kind of stuff where, um, we do not seem to have that same conduit from the medical, um, you know, medical profession into the rehab or, or Medicaid, um, kinds of services. So that's, uh, outreach to the community so that we pick up all these people who, uh, don't know what's available for them when they, get the diagnosis that they're legally now legally blind, um, you know, that needs to obviously be enhanced as well. And so we hope to be working with Medicaid uh, on that, on that front, as well as anybody else that, you know, that we uh, advocate for. In fact, one way of getting around this, you know, problem of, of getting our services included minimally anyway it's not going to do a lot but if more occupational therapists would get certified in you know rehabilitation teach vision rehabilitation teaching or orientation and mobility they could get funded for those services through um their occupational therapy licenses but most ot's don't have specializations in what people with vision loss need so you know that's unfortunately there's a, a area of opportunity and it's kind of lost. I'm going to ask you one one 
very basic question that's been asked to me. And I said, I know two people that will be, have much better answers than I. We're talking very much about Medicaid as opposed to Medicare. Um, and the point that was brought up to me was I've never, I'm not in a position to necessarily be eligible for Medicaid because of my income, income that kind of thing. Right. What do I do? And, and especially if I'm losing vision and I may, may or may not be quite at that 2200 point. Um, but I'm 73 years old, whatever, um, that kind of thing. And how much, well, how much do you see this carrying over to services cover, uh, to getting more services covered under Medicare? So let me answer that in a couple of ways. First, okay. in general, Medicare is a medical services program. It doesn't, in general, fund those type of community-based services as much, just as it doesn't fund um, long stays in nursing homes either. Um, however, some Advantage plans do fund um, uh, additional services, and if that trend continues, there may be more opportunities to get our services considered as part of the Medicare delivery system. But it but it's a tougher sell. However, um, I would add two other things. Number one, um, there's a push, in, there's already in a couple states, and there's a push in others to have an older adult um, plan of service that you can participate in for all adults, regard all older adults, regardless of their income, um, that would have a greater service delivery mixture to it. And secondly, um, if you get Medicaid money um, to provide services to some of the low-income folks, then you may be able to free up some of the OIB money to um, provide services to people who do not meet those income thresholds. So, you know, I think, although I don't have all the answers in this area, um, everything is sort of interrelated, as I said, and we just have to work on it from all different angles. Well, f and for example, um, many low-income folks are served by agencies due to private grants that are received. Well, if you had Medicaid to service those folks, then you can you know, leave that private grant money more for people with, with higher income levels. A very good point. And I, I, I'd like to add one thing. I, I, I've been... I, I did a white paper for the for the rehab um, issues task force that uh, got endorsed by the, the by the board a couple of years ago, and in it I sort of uh, what I, I what I envision is a, a rehab system where everybody who you know gets the designation of, of legally blind gets a basic services basic literacy services. So they can move around their communities. They can, they, you know, they, they, they can do, touch, you know, do phones and, and, and computers and email and all those things that are sort of basic to our, you know, to our social fabric. And then, so if everybody gets that, and then 
Um, and then if, you, you know, if you're interested in going back to work or if you're interested in getting a job, then you get some, uh, a, a higher tier of services that will prepare you for work. Um, that's what I envision th th that the rehab, age, the rehab services ought to be for, for blind people. And uh, I will continue to advocate for that, you know, uh, ad infinitum <laughs> until we get it. Oh, that's great. I hate to cut this conversation yeah. short, but we are at time. And I want to thank both Doug and <clears throat> Jeff for giving us such a, an update. I think AAVL is really, we are moving forward. We are leading the way. <laughs> and I thank you both very much. I do want to let people know that next week we are doing a very special uh, visibilities, and I hope all of you will join me. I'll have it out everywhere. We're doing a tribute to the women, to 25 of the women who have been a major part of the building of, of the foundation of ACB. And next week, next month is uh, Women's History Month, and I thought that that was a great way to start it. And we'll be doing it. It's actually going to be a two-part series. But I think people will really enjoy next week's program because there's going to be a lot of memory, memory, uh, long-term memory recall going on on it. And Pam Shaw and Laurie Scharf will be joining me for that. So I want to wish you all a great week. And thank you again to Jeff and Doug. Thank and you. you, Terry. And Larry, of course. Yeah. <laughs>